0: Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 557 being recorded Thursday, September 12th, 2019. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom.
1: I'm
2: Joshua Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peake. You <laughs> threw me with that Joshua, Josh. Yeah, we got the full yes. Joshua. Yeah.
0: Well, th- thanks for joining us, everyone. We normally do this on Wednesdays, we're a day late today. But uh, if you want to know when we go live and if you want to know when we have a delay like we did, head over to pcpro.com slash subscribe where you can join our mailing list, which we use only to send you an email uh, when we're about to go live uh, so that uh, you can plan your schedule to join us uh, over at pcpro.com slash live. And I'll tell you guys now, for the people watching the video form of this uh, on demand, it's going to look a little different. I normally do video editing in Final Cut on a Mac and my uh, very expensive... Just over one year old Mac died unexpectedly yesterday. I think it's a GPU uh, issue. So I'm trying to get that resolved. So I'll be editing, editing this in Premiere, but all of my templates and graphics and, and stuff that I use to do the sidebar and the titles and all that, that's all, those are all Final Cut and Motion projects. So I'm gonna try after editing this to get this going, but it's gonna be in Premiere on Windows. So it may be a very basic podcast from a video perspective we may not have the sidebar and all that we'll have to figure figure that out to see if i, see if I can translate those motion files easily into premiere so uh hopefully we you
3: will... may also be prompted to subscribe to an amazon or an adobe product just to watch it uh because well that's the way they're going
0: who knows i haven't checked my agreement with uh, my creative cloud subscription yet in a while so <laughs> we'll see we'll see but uh Let's uh, let's jump into the show this week. We've got uh, a few reviews to take a look at. The first uh, is an X570 motherboard review. Now, one of the downsides thus far of X570, which is AMD's latest chipset for their Ryzen 3000 processors, has been the price. These have all been very expensive, but we do have some more affordable, maybe not affordable from the perspective of an AMD user who's used to those budget sub $100 bills, but in the scheme of what's out there for X570, uh, we have a an af- a more affordable X570 motherboard from ASRock. It's the X570 Steel Legend motherboard that Maury uh, reviewed for us. And uh, I, I believe you put this in the sy- uh, system, Sebastian?
2: I did, and I read through it while I was putting it in. As, as you actually know, Maury put this in. What am I saying? Oh, he did. I went okay. through and edited it. But yeah, Maury is on top of it. He's figured oh, out the system, and he's putting stuff in right and left. So, I mean... This is a board that I very, very briefly used myself before I sent it on to Mori, partly because I was a little uh, gun shy about sending off X570 boards when my first experience with one was that it would not work at all. But I popped in a Ryzen 3000 CPU. It actually booted. I updated the BIOS to send it off to him. But he put it through the usual Mori treatment, which is more photos than you can shake a stick at. You can see... Every angle of this board, close-ups, wide shots, VRMs galore. This is uh, Steel Legend from Azrock, If if you're not familiar, I Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Steel Legend is compared to the Phantom Gaming series. This is this one step above or below in the chain? Uh, Steel Legends is is a video game, and I'm not sure why they're
1: calling it that. I'm kidding. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's a step below. Tai Chi, I think. Okay, so it's a it's a sub two hundred, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's one ninety nine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so it's this less is like than Tai Chi, less than definitely. the Phantom Gaming X, which I'm kind of waiting for
2: the Aegis update because it scares me. Or I Why just you can always it. update the I don't know. You update the BIOS later. Don't worry. Yeah. Just get it now and update later. That's what I'm do doing. What do a review of it? And then get oh, the I, I see what you're saying. see. It, if yeah, I mean that that's problematic. I mean, he doesn't really get into that. I think he was running uh, 1003 on this. Let me look at my. Let me look at his screenshot here. I think he's on combo. Yep, he's on 1003 combo. am 4 1003. So I mean, yeah. If unless you are benchmarking CPUs, you don't have to worry so much about the Agesa code versions, unless you're worried about. Top frequencies, but that's another topic entirely. Uh, Mori liked it. I mean, he he said there were a few quirks. Kind of, if you look at the strengths, it's obviously price. This is this is geared towards the budget segment, as was alluded to momentarily or moments ago. I cannot talk this evening. I apologize. Uh, nice BIOS design. It seemed very easy to get through. I I noticed that myself when I was updating the BIOS before I sent it off to him. It seems pretty clean. I, I've it's pretty much what I've expected from Asrock the last couple of generations. Their stuff is getting more and more polished. It seems like their quality is good. It has Intel networking. It has it has good CMOS battery placement. I notice he called that out, which is always nice, especially when you're dealing with uh, you know potential memory and other fun issues with X570 in the early days, but. He saw some slightly below-average SATA 3 performance, which is concerning. And this is something I've noticed in other boards. It's not just this board. He calls out the fact that the M.2 drive, to install it, you have to remove the entire chipset cover plate. I believe... No, it's, it may not be this... Not the MSI godlike, I don't think, but there's another board I've I've used recently, which... I had that exact problem where... Yeah, the Phantom Max. It's a little bit more of a pain with a fan. Yeah, it wasn't the whole... Well, yeah, it wasn't... Some of them, I think it's the entire fan assembly and you have a little two-pin wire you have to pull yeah. out to get it all off. Some of it is... Some of them, it's just the shroud. But, yeah, that's kind of annoying. It's just the way it is. I I, I would like it if it was like a separate piece to have that M.2 cover over. Yeah, there we go. That one has the the lead as well.
1: Yeah, that's essentially the, the same as the Phantom Max.
2: yeah. And actually, now I think of it, the, the Intel uh, ASRock Phantom board I have does the same thing. Uh, anyway, so you know, not that's really just kind of par for the course with some of these motherboard designs. He still gave it a silver award. It seems like a very good value. Overclocked pretty well. He's using a 3600X. You're not going to see those monster benchmark numbers out of this, but he did compare it against some other stuff. and seems like a solid board. Mori... Just so you know, he doesn't just do like a casual overview and then run a few benchmarks and publish a review. If you look into his testing methodology and the actual test results, he kind of punishes hardware. So if you have any qualms about the, the quality of this, it would have to be one about maybe its longevity because its overall performance and even after being sort of torture tested seems to be just fine. And it's only $200. So,
0: so pretty good yeah, for dollars 570 all right, you can check out the full review over at uh, PCPer. It's uh, one of our uh, most recent reviews, so you'll find it there in the review column. Uh, and check that out. So again, that is the ASRock X570 Steel Legend motherboard for just under $200. All right. And yeah, just one one thing before heading on. <clears throat> Do you think that
1: overall compatibility, performance, and whatnot is going to improve with that chipset with later software and firmware, because it seems it seems like a very non traditional chipset being an I.O. thing from a CPU. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying it's it's certainly different.
0: Uh yeah. Although
3: AMD is not one to move on from a chipset easily. Historically, anyways. So one would expect they're gonna continue developing it.
0: I Ask mean the actual meat of your well. question.
1: It works pretty well on the CPU side for what it does, but then they, yeah. you know, they fuse off other of parts and they of course don't have a memory control on your CPU, uh, your your chipset, like you do on the on the, the, the Ryzen. But um, yeah, it just seems to me that there's a lot of room for improvement with this because typically if you're gonna throw something on a CPU it At those speeds, and and that, you know, kind
2: of the tolerances it has for performance, it's got to be pretty tight. Hey, there's there's room for improvement across the entire platform, Josh, including the processors. (laughs) We'll talk about that later. (laughs) There's nothing that firmware can't fix. Yes. I mean, it's better
3: than saying, well, I guess that's the best you're ever going to do, so we'll just live with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll tweak the idle voltage of the chipset at some point. And maybe they'll come up with some way to make it ramp up and down so quickly that we won't even need an active cooling fan on it. Although I will say boards like this godlike that's back here that you probably can't see somewhere in this area, it is not uh, active unless it's under load. So it's it's not spinning right now, which is nice. Wait, you got your godlike to work? No, the second one that they sent worked. Okay. Anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, couldn't they have, really, do you think it was partly the fact that AMD was so in love with the fact that this was going to have PCI Express 4.0, which is something that Intel cannot say that they currently have, that they had to rush this new platform out when they could have just launched the Ryzen 3000, 3000 parts, which work perfectly well on 400 series motherboards and even 300 series motherboards. But they had to have this X570 chipset and boards launch with the CPUs. They sent the boards and the CPUs to reviewers. We were all trying to get memory working and trying to get boards to boot. And really just pull out your favorite X470 board and it works just fine with at least the Ajisa 1002 update or higher. But, you know, and they they could have, I think it was uh, Al Bundy in our YouTube chat who pointed out X570 boards are built for 16-core CPUs. Last generation was not. Well, whether or not a 3950 is going to work on an X470 board or not, that could have been the launch. Like when when they launched the ultimate 16-core part later on, that could have been accompanied by the X570 launch. Like here's your high-end desktop kind of workstation option. And here's a new motherboard to drive it all with all these lanes of PCI Express 4.0 because the Southbridge is going to be giving you You know, additional PCIe 4.0 that the CPU can't. And then that whole weirdness about, well, we're not going to officially support PCI Express 4.0 on older chipsets and all other nonsense happens. Well,
0: uh, your high end workstation is Thunder, or or, sorry, Threadripper. So they've already kind of got that distinction in their product lineup.
2: Yeah, that's true. And I had been sort of still harboring under this impression that they kind of uh, obviated the need to have Threadripper, but they, we see all these leaks and rumors and speculation that they are. And of course, then Lisa Sue came out and said that they are mm-hmm. coming out with their gen thread So, Yeah. I think that, uh, I think part of this is, uh, you know, a big part of it
1: is that they had to do a lot of IO in that IO chip anyway, because this is going to be, the basis of their mobile parts, which is going to be an SoC. I mean, all the southbridge functions with SATA and USB and whatnot are, are are going to be on that chip, and it's going to be activated once we get the mobile parts based on this. And they're doing the same thing at the uh, the high end on the server market because all your SATA, USB, and and a lot of the IO is is it coming off the CPU. They don't have south bridges. I mean, you look at a lot of the stuff from. Intel right now, and especially on AMD, and with with uh, with the, their their Threadripper, I mean, all their I/O came off of the the CPU, and uh, it kind of makes sense that you know why double up your development cost by having As Media create another chipset for you when you've got this I/O part that's already got all of it designed in there, and you just add a little bit more doesn't really affect transistor counts too terrible much. It uh, doesn't really affect TDP too terrible. I mean, a little bit, but they added this all this functionality to it because they know it's going to be a mobile c- CPU eventually, an SoC, and so you're killing two birds with, with one stone. And why not do it? It just unfortunately it 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 was harder to develop a platform around that chipset than uh, they were expecting, and a little yeah. bit hotter. A little bit,
3: and we haven't even begun to see what Intel is going
1: to try and do with this, because they're with PCIe four. They have is a four hundred series magically... chipset that's coming out. S- yeah, not soon, but
2: yeah, they leaked it months. themselves. It was on one soon. of their uh, yeah the readme is like the release notes for a like a recent chipset driver. But it's not it was, like their controller is. is going to be magically you know half the TDP. It
1: doesn't work that way. Maybe, cool. but it could yeah. be three quarters the TDP. <laughs> well, all right, I'll give you that. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, Intel is a is a leader in process technology, so I'm sure they'll have something on like you know, ten or seven nanometer for their chipsets right away.
1: Yes, That's right. Yeah, it's you know, it's about fourteen nanometers. plus plus plus.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh god, leadership! Everybody mm-hmm. is abusing the word leadership. Anyway, I, you
2: know, I, I, I can't stand. I don't mind saying leadership when you're using it within the context of, you know, use leadership the way that it's always been used. Don't say uh, leadership performance. What does that mean? Like leadership is I
3: mean, I, well, that's a square that gets sunk to, by the torpedo so that the bigger ships can keep going. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it, what happened was so like once <laughs> Intel realized what was about to happen to them. They got out, and at least from my perspective, and the marketing that they've been giving to press, Intel got out ahead of it or tried to get out ahead of it and say, well, okay, yes, maybe our Cinebench scores are going to be lower, but here are all these factors as to why our technology, our platform as a whole across Optane, processors, integrated graphics, whatever, is better. And that is our leadership. So even though you can pick out certain things, overall we're better. Again, that's their argument. I'm not saying I agree with that necessarily, but and then, and then AMD, of course, had to counter that. So then they started throwing leadership into everything, pointing to their actual results where they're actually beating on performance, saying, See, we're, we're leadership. So then Intel responded, Well, no, because we're planning a roadmap for the future. So that's actually, so yeah. Every, basically, from, from the perspective, for people out there who want to know, every time either AMD or Intel has communicated with the press in the last six months, they, the word leadership has been in those documents at least 50 times. So.
3: Super. For more on leadership, I, tune to the electoral debates, which are going on in Canada and the U.S. right now.
0: Oh, gosh. I forgot about that. I
2: I wasn't specifically calling out uh, Intel's use of the word leadership. I was just calling out the use of the word leadership at all, which oh, is... sure. Okay. It's become... I'm looking at a 2012 article from Inc. Like, is the L word... Like, did you drop the L word? Is the word leadership overused in business? And like, okay, yeah. I mean, that was seven years ago, but absolutely it is. It's become you know, out of control. 20 years ago. 20
1: years ago yeah. was paradigm shift.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paradigm. We, we be all live through synergy. synergy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> seven habits ruined things for about 20 years. Sorry, Dr. Covey, but leadership is the new lean in kind of for 2019. Ooh, we're, leaning, we're leaning, we're leaning into leadership. It's a paradigm yeah. shift. We're thinking outside of the box. Let's talk about thick cards.
0: Yes, let's talk about some thickness. Uh, so uh, the RX, Radeon R 5700 XT, of course, they launched in uh, uh, when was it? July?
2: Girth.
0: Yeah, and
2: all, July the, 7, all July the original 7. cards yeah. were I'll blowers. I'll never forget it.
0: And they Correct. had really impressive performance. Uh, he, so as Sebastian, you can read Sebastian's review of these cards. They, they have very impressive performance at their price range. And, uh, but they're blower style. So that can potentially, you know, that's obviously an issue for noise. It uh, can be an issue for performance. And so now we're starting to get these third-party cards. And one of the ones that uh, Sebastian got to review is the XFX Radeon RX 5700 XT Thick 2. And Thick is spelled as the, uh, as, as the kids spell it, I guess, T-H-I-C-C. Thick too, and there it is. If you're watching the video version, you can see it. Uh, if not, thick. check it out the website. Uh, we've got pictures for you, and it is a very. Go. It is. I mean, thick, in the true sense of the word, uh, is 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 accurate. This thing is a very uh, prominent card. I guess it, it has it, a big. A,
2: has a big behind. Yeah, it does. It is, yeah, look at some that. Some junk in the trunk.
0: Very automotive.
2: Yeah, in fact, I think its its tail is probably its best asset. Um, on this card, the, aesthetically speaking. Uh It was only... Actually, I was I was surprised. I was hoping it would be girthier from the name Thick. And th- let's not forget that XFX is the company that brought us last year. The Fat Boy. Is three slots not enough for you? It's only two and a half, Jeremy. That's the problem. I wanted three. Okay, EVGA so you got a half-slot card to stick in there? I mean, we could put like a... It's like a sound card or something next to it, but it's... uh it's thick and I did not highlight the card on these charts. I apologize. I'm going to start doing that because it's actually kind of hard to look through 14 different results and find these. But the thing about this card is not just that it has a bigger cooler, it has higher clock speeds. So we're talking a pretty hefty factory overclock. That if I actually look it up here in the review, it was something like 40, 45 megahertz faster at like just at its idle. I think it was around 80 megahertz faster under load. And this resulted in pretty significant performance. If you're just looking at, you know, gaming benchmarks, however, that it, I, I have to temper that. It seems significant to me when I was testing it. However, if you actually look at it on the charts compared to, say, the uh, Sapphire Pulse variant, Far Cry 5, for example, 99.3, Average frames per second, and that moves up to 102.8 with the thick two. These are very similarly priced cards. In fact, I say similarly, I think they're exactly the same price. I want to say that there was a $20 premium for the Sapphire Pulse, if I'm not mistaken. And this XFX card is also $419. So there's just the same $20 premium. So for the same money, if you're just going third party cards, just to avoid a blower cooler, you're going to get better performance out of this XFX Thick 2. And I'll point out, there is an Ultra variant of these that's going to be about $20 more. They said they were targeting a $439 price point for that card. And I know some of the reviewers out there got the Ultra, ultra variant of it, which has two 8-pin connectors, a little bit higher overclock. So it should have slightly better performance than this. But it all told... When I averaged it all out, just the benchmarks I ran, it was an average of three frames per second faster than the Sapphire cart. So if you're just going for performance per dollar, this is a great option for a, a custom cooler design, 5700 XT. And temperatures are good. They're not amazing. Power consumption is, is amazing, though. Not necessarily in a good way. As in, this this system which I've, I've tested all these different cards with the exact same system, measured it from the wall with the same power meter. Radeon 7, total power draw from the wall, 335 watts with this system under a gaming load, the exact same gaming load. And this was pulling 375 watts from the wall. Wow, It's, it's kind of, and that's more than a 2080 Ti Founders Edition, which with this system, I tested at 352 watts. So this being overclocked, and having a bit higher power limit than a reference card. it It's kind of amazing to me. Josh can probably speak a little bit more intelligently about this than me, but they seem to have left almost no performance on the table. I think I've alluded to this before, but they pushed this pretty hard. And if you add frequency and increase the power limit, you just you get so much more heat and you produce so much more power that even a really thick cooler like this, Wait, you produce little... so much more power. Uh, well, I mean, you're you drawing <laughs> more power. You're producing more performance, but it's not. It's. It, yeah. I think Gamers Nexus was the one who said basically you can just you can keep on feeding the 5700 XT power and it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. It doesn't necessarily produce any more performance. It's like a frame or two, but they seem to be held back a little bit by their memory bus, sadly which immediately makes people wonder like, would there be a variant of this with HBM too? But unless you can succeed, and I really, I really want to put one of these underwater. And since we have this reference one here, this is off topic, but Corsair has released a water block for the reference 5700 XT that is part of their hydro X series. And I have not pestered them for one of those yet, but I would love to take the stock cooler off of this thing and see what you could do with memory overclocking. If it was underwater, but yeah, I mean, look at the review if you want to see the temps and the noise levels. I think the noise levels were just under 44 dB with the card under load, which seems a little high for an aftermarket cooler, but that's still about 5 dB lower than a stock cooler. And because it's a aftermarket design, it's more of that whooshing air noise, to be technical, than the hairdryer sound. Is that like a Kung Fu Clan?
1: The whooshing? I get it. So it makes really interesting sounds when it's actually cooling. Just it makes benign sounds when it's cooling. Josh. Okay, fine. It's you know, I'm just not even going to go there anymore. I
2: know, I know so you're trying, and out. I'm not, I'm not in the dead horse is is not in the beat. The mood. Sorry, it doesn't sound like a plane taking off or a hair dryer in your face like this can. Even though the problem with this card, really, the reason that AMD had to come out and say, you know, it's totally fine that this runs at 110 degrees. It, it that's that's normal and expected behavior. But the problem is they tuned the cooler to be a little bit less obnoxious because this is a blower. So it pretty much stops once it gets to 48, 48 and a half dBs. It won't spin up anymore. And unless you manually adjust the fan profile, that means that your GPU just gets hotter and hotter and hotter because the fan stops ramping up before it gets to 50 dB. And if if you want to overclock with the blower cooler, it's going to sound like uh, and airport runway. It's, it gets really, really loud if you really turn it up with the fans. But anyhow, XFX. If, the, if this is indeed, if you can find this for its $419 suggested price, this is a well-built card and it is stealthy. It's a matte black finish. It has absolutely no RGB effects of any kind. The logo is not lit up. Nothing is lit up on this it, except for the chrome. This is a pretty much a blacked out card. So if you're looking for a non-RGB stealthy card with a better cooler than the reference and higher clocks. This is the best performing 5700 XT we've seen so far around here.
0: All right, well, that's the XFX Radeon RX 5700 XT Thick THICC 2. And you can read the full review at PC Perk Gold Award from Sebastian for this $419 third-party 5700 XT. Uh, so at this point, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor this week. Today's sponsor is Capterra, the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. What if you could make your work take less work? You can with Capterra. Capterra helps you find the right software for your needs fast so that you can get back to business even faster. Compare thousands of software options, read reviews, and instantly narrow your favorites. You'll have more time in no time. Find the right software right now at Capterra.com slash With over one million reviews of products from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. Search through more than 700 specific categories of software, everything from project management to email marketing to software designed for yoga studios and health clubs, software for medical offices, law firms, nonprofits, art galleries, wineries, for any business, small or large, and no matter what kind of software you need, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. For example, here at PC Per, we needed a new link shortening service to help us easily share links to our articles in places like social media and podcast show notes. With Capterra, we found dozens of options, and we were able to quickly pick the right solution thanks to Capterra's honest reviews from real users of each app or service, easily comparable lists of pricing, licensing terms and features, and helpful screenshots and videos showing the software in action. And best of all, Capterra is absolutely free. No sign-up, no subscription. Just head to captera.com slash for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Captera.com slash that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash Captera software selection simplified. All right, back to the show. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Captera and uh, let's move on Uh Actually, first, before we continue on with the news, I'm noticing some ch- chat in the, or some questions in the YouTube chat about where Ryan is. So let's do our, like, semi-regular update for the people who only tune in, like, twice a year. Uh, Ryan quickly, is Ryan... a
3: trader. He did not give us any jobs. We are the ones that are left to stand for his baby, as he refers to it numerous times.
0: Oh, okay. Wait, uh, let me rephrase that.
3: I love you too, <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. But so... it's still fun to bug you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan left last uh, November or late October uh, over, you know, almost a year ago. Uh, he went to, he got a job at Intel. He's, no, he's now Intel's chief performance strategist. And uh, so he, he, he left and uh, the site was going to be left to the rest of us here. Uh, but then right before Christmas, uh, he hired away Ken and Alan. And so when we came back for the new year, it was, it was us left over. Uh, I technically own the site, but everyone else does all the work. Sebastian's editor in chief. And uh, and that's what it's been like since uh, January 1st, basically. Um, so Ryan has gone. absolutely He doesn't have any ownership interest. He doesn't have any control. He, Ken, and Alan work at the old office at the church. And we now conduct uh, the rest of the... You know, we do the site, uh, the reviews and the work from our respective homes and then meet once a week via video to talk to you all. So uh, that's the situation. And then there was some question about... Um, uh, is Ryan gonna come on as a guest? And I know people in the past have asked about Alan coming on. Uh, thus far, no, they haven't been on in their Intel capacity to talk to us. And when, I, when Ryan first went to Intel, I'm, I don't believe his role was meant to be uh, public. Like He wasn't like a PR person. He was doing more internal stuff. But lately in the last few months, he's been doing public stuff. He's hosting keynotes and he's, or not hosting keynotes, but he's hosting like press, press meetings. Uh, he's writing blogs. Are you sure that Intel's. wasn't Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, uh, you know, you never, you never can be sure. He was a little too tall to be Zuckerberg, I think. Okay, But, um, but he's writing up blogs for Intel. He's tweeting publicly, so maybe at some point uh, they will come on as guests and talk about what they're doing over there. But they have no connection to us at all. Uh, PC Pur is now owned by a company that I own solely, so there's no connection to his former Jim, publishing.
2: is it true? Is it true the rumors that you and are actually Ryan's brother?
0: uh that's i mean damn you really you don't have to hurt the guy you don't have to insult him
2: the old corsican rumor
0: no we have no familial relationship and no
2: and ken was not ryan's son i don't think
0: uh i never was able to verify that to my satisfaction so we're gonna ryan would have been a very young
2: father you may not know this or not this might shock you but ryan and i are almost exactly the same age and for me to look at ken Who's I think in his mid to late twenties. Yeah, I think he's I think that's 25. the story we're going with. Yeah. He, yeah. He I, mean, I, like been, I, I mean I would have a five year old clone. I mean, I think maybe technically a twelve or thirteen year old could be a biological father, but I just, I wasn't ready at that stage in my life. I don't think Ryan was either. But and we definitely you know. did not clone
3: Ken from Ryan in a vat of mineral oil. That is just a nasty rumor
2: yeah I, I will say there's a lot of dna floating around in that mineral oil so
3: mm.
0: well, thankfully well, well that...
3: one day i am looking forward to seeing if in if uh bdr and ryan who's going to win the fight
0: the fight yeah
3: you gotta I mean... get bdr on and yeah. ryan at the same time oh, oh because oh, now okay. they're calm now they're competing they're not just you, friendly right
0: you mean the 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 company the marketing fight between intel and yeah. nvidia okay
2: all oh, right. it's you know, there is that discrete GPU business coming up next year. It's, yeah. it's gonna get ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, R- Raja's you
0: know. cra- cracking the whip, he's got them moving over there, and Tom Peterson, and a lot yeah, of people it's like working. I keep
2: on forgetting about that. Tom Peterson, yeah, synonymous with NVIDIA for so long mm-hmm. over there. And Raja was the face of AMD graphics for a little bit there.
0: <sighs> but that's the story. Um, you know, please spread the news. We every time we post anything, we get. Comments about Ryan this and Alan that and Intel shills and well I mean mm, yeah. you're, the people if are we Intel anything, shills right yeah. now? No, they don't even they I, haven't advertised with us uh, at all. Yeah. I, I mean we yeah. don't and and I know that there was there was controversy uh, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, the the there's, there's a a pro a very very pro AMD YouTuber named Adore TV, her uh, not named but uses the handle Adored TV, uh, who accused. Uh, PC per at the time because Ryan was running a private consulting group as well, which is, which is common, uh, surprisingly common. If you follow a tech site, there's a very good chance that people running that tech site are running a consulting firm as well, uh, except for us. We don't, we just haven't done that. I don't have the experience or the connections or even the interest at this point to do anything like that. And if we did, we'd tell you. So we don't, so there, there was con- concern about conflicts there because they were they had Intel as a client privately and they were editing reviewing the products publicly. And that they they hadn't disclosed that at the time. I never saw any malfeasance, but there were, they needed to be they needed to be disclosed. We agreed, they they disclosed it, but that all ended when Ryan left. We have Sharp Research is dead. We don't do consulting. We don't even have advertising deals like straight up display advertising with Intel at the current time. But
3: if so. you're interested, please contact us. Yeah, we will them, advertise
0: so. for anybody who wants. But we advertise. We do display ads. We don't have anything else. We don't do, you know, paid reviews and uh, consulting and, and whatever else that you think is shady. Um, we just don't. And I can, if you don't believe me, I will show you my bank records. We don't do that. This isn't <laughs> that profitable of an enterprise.
2: <laughs> I will say it. And I've not been doing this for very long. It's funny. I think about Brian was doing this for like 18 years and you, you, you establish yourself, you make all these connections. It is not unusual at all for people who worked in media to eventually take jobs at companies like Intel. It does not, you don't immediately connect the dots and say, aha, he was a paid show because look where he works now. If he had gone to work for AMD, some people might have said that too. And he had done consulting work for AMD, at least the consulting company had. So, I mean, it was, a, it was equal. I mean, there was work for, for various companies in the industry. It wasn't just Intel. Yeah. The I fact think that it, he ended up at Intel, okay. I think, makes people like immediately suspicious because of the adored thing. Yeah, but uh, go, back, got, go back another 10 years and you'll see other We got far more print other... for AMD.
3: Yeah, I mean, Uh, to be honest, back in the day, back, like, I still could probably dig out a Maximum PC Magazine, uh, where there's a quote from uh, amdmb.com about how well AMD is doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, for those who haven't been with the site for 20 years, or, you know, for the length of its history, uh, Ryan started with several, a couple of different websites that were K7M. uh, Yeah, focused exclusively on covering AMD parts at the time. Uh, and then the early days of PC Pur. He was, I think, at one point he told me, um, you know, if you're, if everyone thinks you're a shill, then you're, you're doing something right. Because he was accused at various points of being an Nvidia shill, an AMD shill, an Intel shill, a Qualcomm shill, and, and, and you know, uh,
2: never a just, Power Nine shill. But you know, well, we got to work yeah, on that.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do.
2: Much um, to the chagrin of certain very motivated commenters. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and I, I just, all I can say is, man, I mean, the person you think you're mad at is, isn't here. They're cashing their corporate check. They don't care. Yeah. They're not seeing it. I, 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 so I don't know. I, I understand, you know, we continued with the same brand. People had impressions about the brand. You could, and I'm not saying you can't be, a, you can't criticize us, but like I think I've said before, criticize us for what we're doing or criticize us for being, you know, for, for an opinion. Like, I think you guys are idiots and you suck. Valid if you want to hold that opinion. You guys are taking money from Intel under the table. Not valid, because it's not true. So I, I don't know. And I don't know how to dissuade them of that, uh, the people who are stuck on that. And
3: whoever it is that's stealing all of my checks from <laughs> yeah, right. NVIDIA and AMD and Intel and all the rest of them, which just freaking fork them over, I'll cut oh, yeah, you I mean, You're not like getting your checks? This it, point. it
2: must be an international thing. Uh, check? Apparently I'm check. a billionaire if mm-hmm. I got them. Yeah. and, and, and yeah, You've been, and, you've been and, here and I, since I, the beginning. Pretty much.
0: I, I don't mean to uh, discredit the concern over this kind of stuff because I think there is a valid, you, you do want to know about what conflicts people have. The existence of holding a conflict isn't in and of itself necessarily a problem, but you have to disclose it and it has to be, you know, you have to, be, you have to evaluate it. And, and so I'm not saying that don't question people who, ha- who have conflicts, but make sure the person you're accusing of on like a weekly basis actually has the conflicts. Because we don't we don't have any relationship with any of the companies we cover, except for the, the advertisers we have. We have great advertisers. We show their banners on our website, and that's it. That's all we do. Uh, so uh, you know, if you have questions think, about that, let, yeah. send us an email. If you want me to provide you additional information, I don't know what I can provide to you at this point. Just, just anybody
2: who wants to spend a weekend with Jim, you will come to realize right away that this guy is... I mean I'm not going to call you a wet blanket Jim on on your podcast but I mean he does everything by the book he's he's scrupulous to a fault
0: I am a miserable so, son of a bitch and I would not I was, be if I was getting Well that has mind. nothing to
2: do with it Jim <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> It's like hey Jim what about this crazy idea like oh, I don't know it might be offensive to some people like oh okay or well we have to disclose this or we have to just, it's it's very by the book uh he, he may actually in fact be running for president i don't know it, it seems like jim is he's keeping a very squeaky clean image everything's above board uh nobody's come forward with any lawsuits recently
0: accusing him of any uh you know improprieties well thank you for saying that uh your your bribery check will be in the mail all right thank you but all right uh, so Good thing america
3: still has pennies eh well
0: uh, what are we talking move, about um, yeah i don't know um Let's move Pants. on with... tempered glass. Wow. Yes, we've got a, another review here. Uh, oh, and I should I should just... I don't think we said during the unedited portion of the podcast, uh, Josh had to leave. Uh, he had to go to work. It is server update night for, for him. So uh, that is why his square is empty and why our audio listeners won't be hearing uh, the sultry tones of his voice for the rest of the show. But uh, he'll be back next week. But Moving on, we've got a new review uh, from... Uh, a new reviewer, Kent Burgess, uh, has a review for us. Uh, and Sebastian's just got to love this. This is someone else to review exactly. cases. It's, and... it's a
2: dream that I've had for a long time. Uh, I never thought this day would come. I have found a couple people who are extremely interested in case reviews. I've had some offers from people to review cases. Uh, and I won't name any names of anybody possibly hang out in the Discord chat. And please, uh, it's been less than a month. So please understand this is a long process. But moving on to Kent and his review of the FSP CMT 340. This is a case that we saw at CES. I looked at it, and I will say, as pretty as it looked from the outside, and they added to their arsenal a case that has, it checks the boxes of a 2019 case. It's got tempered glass all over the place. And it has addressable RGBs. And it's fairly small, as you and can calicos. see from the photo. Yeah, if you see the photo with the Calico cat, you will see that the box is not particularly large, and the case itself is fairly small for a mid-tower. He said he thought that when he got this, I'd send him a micro ATX case, but no, it's it's ATX, it's seven expansion slots. It's kind of like the minimum for an ATX case, but you have to, and I, I, I without trying to make a pun, you have to temper your expectations with cases like this, because what they're essentially doing is they're taking what looks to be a cooler master design from a couple of years ago, and they're taking off the plastic front panel, which was probably ventilated and they are screwing on a tempered glass panel to the front. So there's a picture in the review somewhere where Kent took his, uh, what are those things called? Digital caliper. And he measured the air gap of that front panel and the front fans are not completely suffocated, but we're talking four and a half millimeters of space. Four and a half millimeters is not a lot of space. When you think about that's half the thickness of a smartphone is your only intake for the front of this case. So this is not going to be a great thermal performer. By any means. And it also means in my experience with cases with almost no intake room up there that the front fans end up spinning a lot louder, so then the whole case is louder than it should be. So I, I would say at at a minimum you need about three quarters of an inch up there, maybe an inch. And this has, you know, four and a half millimeters. Are those so
3: two and a half inch connectors on top of the PSU.
2: Yeah. I've seen this a couple times. Okay. I think the last Phanteks does this, that that shroud over, and for audio listeners, I have to try to explain what we're looking at here. We're looking at a picture of the bottom half of the inside of the case, like the component chamber of the case, below the where PSU the motherboard shroud. sits. Yes, the PSU shroud, if you will, and above that, like on the top, which is now the case floor, is two, two and a half inch SSD trays, which lock down with uh, thumb screws. So if you wanted to put your SSDs front and center like that, and there is a hole behind them to route your SATA cables and power cables down away from, from the drives. And then it's got a little fan hub. It, you know, and and there's an ARGB controller built in because there's a, there's a button to let you cycle through. And I believe this is, it's compatible with all of the, the major RGB sync options for motherboards. And it has a, like the RGB output and you can put it on the header of your motherboard and sync your fans to your motherboard. So it, it does, it does offer some of those aesthetic features that are popular, but it, it's unfortunate that they're using design that can, that uh, Kent pointed out is a little bit thinner sheet metal. There's a little bit more flex to it than you'd see from cases from name brands like Corsair and be quiet and, you know, others. And, he like when he was putting in the GPU, he actually had to push in the back of the case to line up the GPU with the mounting holes on the expansion bracket because the whole thing was bowed out a little bit. So just stuff like that. And I've seen this before. You go below a certain price point with cases, but for me, it's always been like the sub $70 cases that start to use really thin metals. And this case retails for $96.99. And I have to think that if it didn't have addressable RGBs, even if it was just straight RGB fans, and you could select between different colors with a push button. You could get this case down considerably. If you've priced out addressable RGB fans, they're not cheap. Those are the fans that have multiple LEDs in them that can individually be set to different colors independently of each other. That's why they're called addressable RGBs. So you can make one of them pink and one of them blue and one of them yellow and do whatever you want within the same fan. And they have these interesting like rainbow and cycling effects and stuff within the fan itself, which looks really cool. But unfortunately this is not a cool case. So it's maybe you could do something with this, with liquid cooling, something, you know, besides just traditional airflow. But I I honestly think there are better options out there. He's felt the same way. He was very fair in his assessment, but, I, and I apologize that I made his first case experience. I'm like, you know, what? let's see what you can do with this. But it, it looks nice, but unfortunately, it could have been designed a little bit better. And I've seen cases in the past where they actually, after the fact, sent out uh, adapters with longer screws for the front just to pull that front panel a little bit further to help out with thermals and noise. But then unfortunately, you're creating an air gap Without any filtration. So if you were to go out and buy some longer machine screws and some adapters or or fashion yourself some way of extending that front panel out, then you would be introducing dust into the case. So I don't know. know Honestly, I think a lot of the price on that is just the fans. That's what I'm thinking. Like if if $60 of this is the fans, which easily is $20 each. Yeah. If you if you've looked at Corsair's addressable RGB fans, I think the ones that I used in that uh, Hydro X review yeah. were 100, $120 or hundred and forty dollars for a three pack. They're not inexpensive, but yeah. Corsairs are using eight different addressable RGB zones, mm-hmm. and it's not cheap technology.
0: All right, so that's the uh, the FSP CMT three hundred and forty RGB tempered case. A case that looks good. Maybe depending on how you plan to use it, might not be the best choice. But, if you're uh,
3: utterly obsessed with RGBs, uh and are looking for a relatively bargain
2: priced case,
3: that's about the nicest I can say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, it motivates me to look up what the actual cost of the cheapest ARGB fans is, and I bet it's not cheap.
3: I would guess twelve to fifteen dollars piece and there's four of them in that thing. So
0: yeah. I mean there there you go. That's seventy five percent of the cost. the whole thing but uh all right check that out at the 96 what was the price again 96.99
2: currently yeah that was the amazon price amazon yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: all right now uh uh we have a little bit of something different here this article is not up at pc per the topic we're talking about we don't have an article up um and and probably won't be up by the time you're watching this on demand Uh, and again that's related to my macbook failing because i make all my charts and graphs in the program numbers because uh, I find it easier to use what for, for for making pretty things and so my Mac's dead I couldn't do the charts uh, so I don't have the article up yet but we're, this is a, a look at Whiskey Lake versus Ice Lake so we talked about Ice Lake last week because it had just launched and Ice Lake is Intel's latest 15 watt TDP target uh, uh, platform for those sort of ultrabook style you know very thin and light but still capable uh, systems and so that had launched and Intel was very excited about pointing out its not only its its performance relative to Picasso, which is AMD's Zen Plus based uh, 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 platform in that same power range, but also its improvement over its predecessor Whiskey Lake, which is last year's uh, part for that same uh, power power range. And so uh, Ice Lake is a system based on a four core, well, at the top end on the i7 side, a four core eight thread part. With uh, integrated graphics, in this case, their new Gen 11 graphics, which they have li- labeled Iris Plus graphics. And you know, I'm not sure about this. I've I've asked, I haven't gotten an answer definitively yet. The the label Iris Plus graphics has been used before on the 645 and 655, I think it was, and Intel hasn't added any clarifiers to this. So I'm I'm calling it Iris Plus graphics G7 because on the top end uh, Gen 11 part, that's it's they, they label it g7 there's also a g4 variant i believe or is it g5 g4 i think is but,
2: okay yeah there's but yeah, so, a, yeah is that for like, the core i3s has g no it's i think there's, i5. there's
0: well there's one i5 that has an i7 or it has the g7 yeah. and then there's the, uh, a couple i5s with the g4 and then the g the i3s with the g it's really it's
2: our it's our fault for not being able to easily digest all of these it's incredibly things. simple, there is no confusion yes. whatsoever,
3: <laughs> right. and, 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 then of and course certainly
2: have- not certainly not between Ice Lake and Comet Lake either, because those have the exact same numbering yeah. schemes. Look at the two of them, and yeah, I'm, yeah.
0: It's confusing, and of course there's the G1, which is not Gen 11, which is UHD 620, again. So, who knows? But anyway, looking at their top end parts, uh, Intel was, in the lead up to this launch, was saying, not only are we competing against AMD, matching or exceeding them slightly in certain areas, we, we, are, we basically doubled performance in some cases over UHD 620, which is the integrated graphics from the Whiskey Lake part. And so we spent uh, the last week testing that. We had a, an HP uh, X360 Spectre, which is a Whis- Whiskey Lake system with an mm-hmm. i7-8565U, which is the top end part from the Whiskey Lake generation last year. We put it up against that same Dell XPS 13 uh two in one, which is the new Ice Lake system that we, we got from Dell. Uh we bought the, the Ice Lake system. We didn't work with AMD or Intel for this. We just went out and bought a couple systems to test them. And because I don't have graphics or an article for you, I'm gonna see how this works. I'm going to uh first I have to fix the zoom on the capture. I'm gonna show you the spreadsheet we use to capture um the data that we use to make the uh part so hopefully you can see this all right maybe i can zoom in a little more but um we've got this number... is
2: appallingly close to the stuff that i have too like anybody who does this if you if we were to look at our our laptop screens it's like this you have yeah, run but... one run two run three it's averaged out and that's what goes into the review in a pretty chart uh
0: exactly and and so uh, and that's because we we because of the variable nature of some benchmarks obviously Things can be a little fickle so when, when you when we report results in a review those results are the, the the total of a an average of three runs so that's what we've got here in these columns we've got one column on the left for uh a whiskey lake the center is ice lake and the right is the ryzen 7 3700u which is that picasso part this is amd's currently available top end part in that 15 watt tdp space and as we said last week, this is based on Zen Plus. This is not Zen 2 like we see on Ryzen 3000 for desktop. This is AMD's technology from a year ago up against Intel's uh, just released Ice Lake in the middle and Intel's year ago technology. And so we'll, we'll kind of sh- uh, go through a few tests here to show you why this is so significant for Intel, why they were so excited about the performance improvements in Ice Lake from a GPU perspective in particular. So here's 3 d Mark. let's look at the time spy test. Uh, looking at Whiskey Lake, the overall score for the Time Spy on Whiskey Lake last year with uh, last year's score was four sixty one. You put that against uh, the Ryzen 73700 U Picasso eight hundred three, huge difference. Basically, you know, almost double. But now with Gen eleven graphics, these Iris Plus graphics on on Ice Lake nine sixty nine is the score for Intel. So now they they have a f- almost doubled Whiskey Lake and caught up and exceeded, not significantly exceeded, but in some cases, you know, clearly exceeded the Ryzen part uh, with this latest platform. Looking at the Night Raid test, an overall score of 57.85 for Whiskey Lake. Uh, The AMD part gets 82.27, so a big jump to AMD there. And then you go to um, to Ice Lake and it's 10,349. So again, almost doubling performance. So Intel's claims for our Graphics being double their predecessor, uh, almost double, you know, pretty much turning out to be true. Uh, here's uh, Shadowbringers, the Final Fantasy 14 benchmark, a score of 2623 for Whiskey Lake, 3370 for uh, Ryzen 3700U, and 4710 for Ice Lake. Uh, Unigine benchmark, um, the, the difference is bigger in the older tests, and I'm you know, I, I we do these because that's a data point to compare to older results. I'm not sure you can make an argument that you should only use the latest tests because those are tuned for the latest architectures and and things like that. But uh, on the older tests, um, the difference for Ryzen is, is uh, lower. It's, it's scoring lower relative to the Intel parts. On Superposition, the latest Unigen test, uh, it's it's a different story. You know, it's it's almost even, if a little bit behind a 1080p, a little bit ahead for 720, but I'll give the numbers for the audio listener. So like the 720p superposition test, I, uh, Whiskey Lake scored a 2849 overall. Uh, Picasso scored a 4718 and Ice Lake scored a 4641. So, you know, AMD, as or I'm sorry, as we said last week, Intel has with integrated graphics in this lower uh, power range has caught up and in some cases exceeded uh, AMD. Uh, here's some games uh, real quick, we'll run through uh, some actual game benchmarks. We, we got the data with OCAT uh, running uh, standard offline matches were available for some of the multiplayer games, uh, but we've got an average FPS of 57.5 for Whiskey Lake, 87.4 for Picasso and 93.6 for Ice Lake. And if you look at the frame times, you know, Whiskey Lake was not so bad. That's, that's pretty good at 1080p with the performance preset, but the, the frame times are more consistent for Ice Lake across the board. Uh, World of Warships, 42.8 frames per second for Whiskey Lake, 44.2 for Picasso, and 59.6 for uh, Ice Lake. Um, Let's see, Fortnite, uh, you're looking at about, uh, with 1080p low, you're looking at 31 frames per second um, for Whiskey Lake, 44.6 for Picasso and 50.4. For uh, Ice Lake, so I, I don't want to, you know, make this the boring spreadsheet show. Uh, and as I said, we'll get this article up as soon as I can get my charts going again. But uh, uh, so the information will be be easier to digest. But the sum, the 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 sum of summary of it all is, yeah. Uh, at the Gen Eleven graphics are a huge huge boost. Intel was right to be confident about that. There's a boost on the CPU side. It's not as big as we uh, you know as, as we might have expected with this big process shift going to seven nanometer i'm sorry 7, ten nanometer got ahead of myself there <laughs> um, going to 10 nanometer. And somewhere <laughs> someone at
2: intel is cringing, like oh yeah. seven nanometer uh, they mentioned AMD. it again hey you know yeah. hey hey, AMD's not a seven nanometer for laptop parts that's true either, they're not they're so. at 12
0: now but but still it's uh it, it, it's 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 a good part it's not a gaming first system and it is expensive and your choice is limited. But if you're, you know, AMD ruled this this market for integrated graphics, especially low power. You didn't have it. Oh, yeah. if, you, if that was important to you, you didn't even consider Intel or you shouldn't have. Uh, but they've caught up this. This is a huge generational improvement. It's been delayed. It's been controversial. The, the clock speeds are not where people would have expected, but the performance, when you get it down to the real world performance, as Intel likes to say, it's there. And, uh, and, it, and it's providing an interesting choice now. You've got a choice. You can go with, with AMD and maybe save a little money. And in some cases, AMD does still outperform Intel. And so if, you, if the games and applications you need are scoring better on Ryzen, well then go go with the Ryzen mobile. But but now, you know, it's much closer. You can pick the form factor you want and uh, and, and it's exciting. And, and it shows too, uh, you know, looking at what AMD was able to do going from Zen Plus to Zen 2 on desktop, if they can, you know, make this hurdle soon to Zen 2 for mobile, it'll be even better. We're talking 15 watt TDP ultra portables running 60 frames per second 1080p. That's going to be huge, and, uh, and and on modern games too. Not some of these, old, you know, not CS:GO and uh, Team Fortress and all that. But uh, you know, so it's something to look forward to. We'll we'll have the review up at the site so you can get the graphs uh, easily and, and see the see the results a little clearer. And uh, and also, I- I've had some, some people asking me, because I've been talking about some of the testing I've been doing, they want to see all the runs. They want to see the data. They digest the spreadsheet better than the charts. So I'm thinking, too, what we can do is we'll just maybe, th- this is in Excel right now, we'll upload it to like a Google Sheet, and then just link it in the review. And then you can just, you can just see it, because uh, ah! that data would be good. So
3: I, more I had data. this discussion with Ryan many, many years ago, and he considered it silly.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's not a big deal. I never even brought
3: it up with you, and now you're you're on
0: my side already. Awesome, awesome. Um, your bribery check will be in the mail too, and Woo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I haven't I haven't actually tested exporting this from Excel to Sheets. Hopefully, it will be very simple to do that, and it won't require the me only, to like, fix it.
2: Yeah, the but. only thing I've ever noticed when I've done that is that you lose pretty much any of your graphs. They look terrible. They don't really translate well. The actual cells should them. be fine.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. really what we'll be. We'll, well, if you want the charts, we'll put those and on move the side. And the formulas, images. too,
2: because
3: any stuff gets pissy.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, and all the averages are auto-calculated. Um, I've got, like, a template I use, so it just counts. Cal- mm-hmm.
3: we'll, Which kind of average is it? Because that's the other reason that I wanted those raw numbers. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, well, so depending on the test, like a frames per second thing is just a straight average. It's one, two, you know, add them up and divide by three. Um, but, but we'll look into that and, uh, we'll try to get that uploaded and, uh, and that way people who want it, they can have it because there's no reason not to share it. We collect the data. It sits in files on our computer. Might as well put it on Google or something. So i look forward to that. Uh, hopefully soon as if I can get my darn MacBook fixed. And, uh, although also Brett, uh, Brett, our web developer, uh, who's been on some of the
3: podcasts, can do spreadsheets.
0: Uh, well, no, but they can make pretty graphs. If you give them the data, you can make real pretty graphs. Uh, and he's, he's, he's going to help me get a hackintosh going too. So hopefully we'll get something going there. Yeah, uh, one, one way or the other, I'll be back up with final cut and numbers. Um, cause, uh, for whatever reason, that's what I prefer. And all right, let's uh, close that spreadsheet up. And do you guys want to talk about Apple at all before we talk about the AMD, uh, Jesus stuff? Like they had their, their keynote for their iPhone stuff on Tuesday this week. Anything you want to mention there or?
2: It's probably worth noting. I think what's the most interesting about it, and I was talking with Patrick about this earlier today on Twitch. They are claiming these outrageous gains in battery life. While also, you know, it was funny, somebody was put up a picture on Twitter of their chart, which is performance, and it was just a line. It was like performance was Snapdragon 855 and it has there's no access. You have no idea what is this is, is this 100 versus 101, 1 versus 100, who knows? But they were showing graphs with higher performance, but also saying we're going to be giving you four to five more hours of battery life, which is outrageous. They're not going to these big, thick form factors all of a sudden. I don't think they've invented a new battery technology. They're just claiming that their new A13 processor is going to be that much more efficient than the previous gen. That would be staggering. Those would be the biggest generation-to-generation gap in in, uh, efficiency that they've ever had. So that's what I'm curious about, just the hardware there. What process technology is it built on? Who's making it for them? Is it TSMC? Is it somebody else? And what on earth are they doing to give those numbers? Is it just aggressive uh, idle states? Are they gating stuff off like a GPU? So, you know, that. The other stuff is what you would expect it. And, and anybody who's concerned about the new giant square camera on the back with the individual lenses, there's three different lenses now and the flash and this cluster back there, that's going to be every phone. I mean, we've already seen Google themselves, leaked renders of the new pixel phone, which has one of these clusters of cameras on the back and a square. And I think Huawei Possibly their new phone looks like this. Everybody's going to this design because ultra wide is the new thing. For a while, it was get a telephoto in there with your wide angle lens, and everybody started doing these dual camera phones. And I think Huawei might have been one of the first. They had their deal with Leica and they had the dual camera phones a few years ago. But then everybody had dual camera phones, and now we've got triple camera phones. So I'm sure it'll be quad at some point. Who knows? But, yeah, to me, it's just how on earth are you getting 30% performance gains with five more hours of battery life in the same form factor? It seems a bit implausible. But of all things, Apple is typically pretty accurate with their claims. I mean, they're not showing you performance numbers. They don't talk about core counts, clock speeds, any of that stuff. And now that Anand works for Apple, nobody's doing the ultra deep dives into each Apple processor architecture at launch anymore but you know we'll we'll just have to see for ourselves i'm sure one of us between jim and i will probably give in and get a new iphone
0: yeah the the the, uh apple events are are generally misleading you know it's marketing and it's a one 90 minute long advertisement uh but the one thing they generally don't Lie about is their performance advantage for certain things over you know Qualcomm over the competition, and it's true. I mean, Apple's Apple's control of the the whole vertical process of of owning the design and implementing the hardware and the software every year. Their phones are, depending on the benchmark, is significantly faster than the even the latest and and upcoming stuff from from Qualcomm. So we'll we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Yeah, my wife is due for an upgrade, so I'm going to get her the Eleven Pro, and i'll steal
3: oh it. for a phone okay I, I was worried there for a minute
0: well no, yes.
3: not
2: those kinds not she's those not
0: kinds. Yeah. yeah but uh, yeah so I'm, I'll, I'll i'll try to steal her phone before i give it to her and we'll do some testing and, and
2: you're doing it. this wrong jim you're doing this wrong what you do is you when the wife is due for an upgrade you just say hey you can have my phone and then well what phone are you going to use don't worry about it and then you like get on there and get the we- upgrade
0: we used to do that, but then when they introduced the size difference, I always go for the larger size, and she doesn't like. She doesn't like, the like it. She, yeah. she doesn't
2: use it. This, my wife does the same thing. She, thinks she doesn't thing. want. She doesn't want the big phone, but you know, it. I think once well, she had it, she wouldn't want to go back. Once you go big, then you everything else just seems inadequate.
0: Oh, I hope. I that's think, awesome. we're yeah, also, very I think we're talking married guys here, talking themselves
2: into a corner here.
0: Yeah, I'm scared yeah. if that's the case. But anyway. Um, so that's, that's, you know, go if you want, if you're just interested in the rest of Apple's announcements, they've got the keynote at their website and, uh, all the sites that cover Apple have been writing furiously all week with their impressions and analysis. I do know I saw today that the, the one difference is that the, the iPhone 11 has, I believe, four gigs of Ram and the iPhone pro is six. If that matters to you, Apple doesn't officially publish that anywhere. But uh, that was the big
2: big difference between the 11 and the Pro is that the iPhone 10 and 10S both had OLED screens. And now they they exclusively reserve that for their Pro model where the non-Pro is back to using their liquid retina display Mm -hmm. from the 10R from last generation. So you're basically getting an upgraded 10R and they're calling it the 11 and then you have to buy the Pro to get the OLED screen, which would be like the 10S S or 10i.
0: success. Yes, X- S- it's excessive. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's get back to some of our core competencies, I would say, actually, but uh, looking at some malcontents in the chat, uh, I don't think mm. they think we're competent at anything, but... Uh, Which AMB, chat? Uh, YouTube.
2: I'll have it out with them. <laughs>
0: Oh, and you okay. are. You've but, already. Yeah. You've already yeah. taken yeah, I know. care of that. I know. <laughs> um, so I, obviously, as we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, there's been some questions about what's happening with Ryzen 3000 because of these Aegis updates, uh, tweaking tweaking voltages, which can result in lower performance. The question is, you know, why is this required for longevity? Uh, is is it, you know, what's the performance hit if there if there is one? Uh, as I said last week, I think. Um, I I don't care. like the De Debauer who is a a YouTuber if you're into real technical like overclocking stuff you should check him out it's uh D E 8 instead of the B A U R E I think right well, we'll have oh, we like, used right?
3: to we post some of his BIOSes back in the day
0: Oh really yeah so he's, he's this, uh, this
3: man will take a bios and crack it open and do what he wants to it
0: Yes um, so he's very very technical very skilled uh, if you're into that side of things um He's been doing some looking at this, and he tested, I think, the 2,700 uh, CPUs. He had like users submit their, their tests, and he saw that like a very small percentage of 3,900X uh, CPUs and others in the Ryzen 3000 lineup were hitting their uh, rated boost clocks. And so AMD then changed their marketing material to say, instead of boost, it said max boost, like you know, potential high boost, uh, which then caused some more concern. Uh, my response is, I don't care if it's hitting a number. Like, if it hits 4.6 or 4.5, that's a, that, that's meaningless. The question is, when you use it to do the thing you bought it to do, how fast is it? And if what, if any, changes to that performance are occurring because of this? Hitting a 4.6 is irrelevant. It, it, it's all about what is the performance impact once you go to use it. And so... Are
3: you, are you telling me the PR people are lying to me?
0: Uh, I I wouldn't know which PR people. I, 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 no, no, Jim, you sound like... The
2: boost clock was that high. <laughs> right. They said it was supposed to be 4.7. I bought it thinking it was 4.7. Right. It, Jim, you, 4. Sound, you, sound like, you sound like an AMD shill, Jim. And speaking as a, a good Intel shill, I will tell you, I mean, obviously AMD couldn't re- produce those frequencies because they knew it was going to melt the chip. They knew it was going to break it. And they're worried about longevity, so they had to institute these voltage caps. The voltage caps hurt performance. So, you know, that's the message from Intel's side. Because, of course, Intel at IFA, is that how it's pronounced? IFA 2019. They were showing these slides, basically cherry-picking samples of reviews from around the web. And, of course, they picked one of the slides that I put up for the Ryzen 5 3600X review, where the one benchmark I ran that showed a bigger disparity in performance was x 264 only on the first pass, but it was a 10 frames per second difference. And everything else was pretty close. But I pointed out, I'm like, hey, it looks like it's workload dependent, but because the voltage does seem to be capped with a 3600X with the GSA 1003AB, which is the version I tested versus 1002, it went from 1.485 at load down to 1.44 at load. So yeah, there, there does seem to be a bit of a voltage cap put in place, at least with a code up to what is currently available, not this new AGISA that's coming. And uh, I don't know if anybody caught the name of the Ajisa. I don't know how anybody else feels about letters being appended. Basically, that means being added to the end. ABBA, we're at ABBA now. Oh, A-B-B-A. It couldn't be one... Dot zero dot zero dot four, it was one dot zero dot zero dot three, a, not b then a b a b a which was pulled there was some issue with it, then they were up to a b b and instead of a b c, or just dot four, or dot four dot one they're at a b b a.
3: I blame so, RGB like it, that's it disco's coming back and
2: yeah yes. So I, I, this is a huge, ridiculous preamble to what has really just been a community update. They had promised this in the wake of the Derbauer video. They had to respond. Basically, AMD said, you know, like what Jim said, they changed their actual literature after the fact, which seems a little suspect. I smell maybe a little class action lawsuit brewing. Because, you know, people were buying things that you can say, like, well, it said 4.7 and I bought it and it didn't hit 4.7 or whatever the frequency is for the CPU that you bought. And if they were advertising that frequency and your CPU cannot hit it, then maybe you have a case there, especially since they can't retroactively change what's on your box. They can just change their verbiage now and it actually states max boost, like theoretical maximum boost. All they have to really hit are their base clocks, I guess. But... Anyway, the we were supposed to be getting an update on the 10th. That was two days ago. What we got was a community update written by Robert Halleck from AMD. And he goes over what the changes are in 1003 ABBA. But the target release date of this new SDK is September 30. I think that's pretty much what we're gonna we will be waiting until the end of this month probably to see the BIOS updates for motherboard vendors as well. They said within about three weeks. But this is going to be microcode they turn over to the motherboard vendors who then have to probably, you know, check against their qualified vendor list for memory compatibility and make sure it works with their boards and get it a hundred percent validated before it ships. And yes, there are outlets like Tom's hardware that have done little posts already where they're comparing the new leaked pre-release versions of some of these that are out there. You can find them easily, but I'd be very hesitant to install a pre-release beta BIOS with a new Agisa version that has not been fully validated for your board yet. Unless you just want to have fun and you have a board that has a BIOS switch and you can always revert if something goes horribly wrong.
3: Man, but, in my day, Asus used to
2: ship them as commercial models that you bought. Oh, that's right. Yes. And you actually had to use a chip puller and pop out BIOSes and throw a different BIOS in there. Oh, shite. Man. They didn't even have uh, dip switches. I had to
3: use a pencil.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. I. You know what? Dip switches, I think, are preferable to jumpers. It, I mean, at least it's a Yes. Because you don't have to like, I, I would lose one of the little jumpers, and it's like, oh, now I can't do the five X multipliers. I can't. I have to steal a jumper off of a hard drive or a CD-ROM drive and stick it on there because I don't have the one to bridge those two pins. Mm-hmm. But
3: well, now that master uh,
2: and slave isn't a thing, you know, you got plenty yeah. of spare jumpers.
3: It's
2: true. I have a lot of I have a lot of spare CD-ROM drives in there. be sure. careful where you're going with that. I know. Uh, Yes. So anyway, getting back to the actual point, uh, which is there are changes coming. Forget when they're coming. They're coming probably in the next three weeks. But whenever you do see them, what Ajisa 1003 ABBA is going to include is changes to boost behavior. They, They go into this at length. I encourage you to read the Rising Community update. It's pretty lengthy. Basically, you're going to see improvements to clock speeds under load i was trying to interpret whether or not they said they had removed any kind of a voltage limit i was thinking okay maybe single threaded boost it will be allowed to go higher what tom's hardware had speculated was that it wasn't necessarily the voltage it was the temperature limit So if the temperature limit was allowed to go up to 80, which it was allowed to do at full performance in the original 1.0.0.2 version that people like me tested the CPUs with, because that's what our boards shipped with initially, then you would see a restoration of that, those higher single-threaded boost frequencies if it was temperature-limited. If it's voltage-limited, that's something else. Intel spec- or Intel, AMD specifically in this article says, please keep in mind, however, that this firmware change is not, they use italics, not a cap. The processor must still be free to boost if active workloads seriously require it. So you should still expect occasions where the processor will explore its designed and tested voltage range of 0.2 volts to volts. Now, 1.5 volts was the cap before, and that's, I had observed up to 1.5 volts under load that was lower with recent and current GISA versions. And Intel, of course, jumped all over this and said, this is, you know, probably because of longevity concerns. There was some forum post that was allegedly an Intel employee who had answered a question about this and said basically, yeah, or it was an uh, not an intel employee it was a motherboard vendor employee who had worked with amd i think but regardless regardless of whether where they were getting their information or whether it was valid or not intel had been championing championing this idea that amd had to back off on voltage and frequency because it was going to destroy these seven nanometer processors prematurely and to, to their performance over time amd says this is absolutely not the case these are meant to run this high these are meant to run at this voltage no one's really going to know until a few years have passed. In 15 years, will 3900X still operate at exactly the same frequency and offer the same reliable performance as it does today? Who knows? It's not like in the food industry where you can put a box of cereal in some sort of a, a damp, hot, controlled environment and simulate the aging process to test how well the bag's inside keep it fresh on a store shelf. And I know that because of knowing somebody who worked in the food testing industry at one point, but what do you do with CPUs? You run it at 1.5 volts, hundred percent with small FFT tests and prime 95 for a month, and then decide whether or not you've damaged the CPU. I have no idea. They think it's fine up to 1.5 volts. I will be very happy to see if these released 1003 ABBA BIOSes come out and suddenly... CPUs are, as they say, allowed to explore those upper limits of voltage again. So that will take care of everything. It'll literally be back to where it was at 1002, minus the crippling RAM instability and compatibility problems with X570 anyway. So it's just like a double-edged sword. If you're on X470 or another older board, you're probably absolutely fine holding off and just using an older a G subversion. But unfortunately, when you want things like mem- memory compatibility and you see, oh, uh, Asus has a new BIOS, says it improves memory compatibility. Great. Maybe I can get this 3600 set to run at its XMP timings now. And then you realize, oh, well, this also adds this AMD roll, like, roll up that includes this, this, and this. And if you're on a 400 series board, you see, like, I think it was ABB. Is the one that officially killed PCI Express 4.0. So if you care about that, then you wouldn't want to update to that one, but you're going to have to. And I know Josh is probably not going to be very happy about this, but if he wants maximum performance from his CPU, he's probably going to have to give up PCI Express 4.0 unless he gets the next 570 board.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, to, to recap, um, we don't know the result of this yet. We don't, you know, give AMD time to sort it out. And, uh, Philosophically, I guess. Again, we're not sure. We, we don't want companies lying to us. Obviously, we don't want companies publishing false information on their products. So that's a separate thing, and and there will be. But losses, I'm used so to sure. it. Well, are well, sure, to a certain extent. Uh, but and and Intel is going to call this stuff out, and if Intel were doing this stuff, AMD would call it out. Um, but from a use, if you've bought a Ryzen chip, don't. Don't feel bad about it. Wait to see what happens. And even as we talked about last week, even if this all comes to pass, that there is a reliability issue and they have to, like this, this blog post was premature and they have to cap it and it lowers performance. What are we talking about? A couple percent? 5%? You know, and, and there might be some workloads where it goes bigger, but overall it's gonna be a small difference. And at least right now, compared to what you could buy from Intel at the same price point, the rise in performance is so much higher usually that even if you had to take a small percentage hit performance, you're still gonna end up better off than you would if you went with Intel at that same dollar point, so.
3: Well, a small performance increase based on your theoretical top.
0: Well, right, again, yeah. Not even
3: necessarily, uh... yeah. But the, the one thing that I just ask, any motherboard manufacturers that are listening to us for God only knows what reason, now that memory compatibility charts are a thing again, please update them. Not every single release, but as a new BIOS comes out with new age ESA, because they're nice. I, I remember growing up with these, and it was, yeah, you bought certain types of RAM because, oh, look, this motherboard like single-sided of these frequencies, and you were guaranteed to go run away. Now it's come back again just update them every once in a
0: while. So we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, as Sebastian said, he will test everything uh, at the end. And yeah, I think
2: it's fruitless to test it now. If you look at the Tom's Hardware article, and they're very in-depth about this, the problem is they're using a beta BIOS. It's not final yet. And I think, if I remember correctly, some of their findings were like the 3900X was, it wasn't quite back to the level of performance they were expecting. There was a bit of a regression there. But then one of the other, like the 3600 and 3700X, or higher, there's like a chart that shows the different frequencies uh, they were getting. Did uh, that one catch on fire when they removed the heatsink, or no? I mean, I don't recommend operating it without the heatsink, but... Oh, Tom's you know. did a, a wonderful thing back in the day. Oh, no. They ran a... What CPU did they run without a heatsink?
3: Uh, well, they proved that the Intel one would downclock itself and not catch on fire. Oh. The competition okay. on the other hand... oh oh what if intel pitched not that that i'm holding like a 15 year old grudge or anything (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't
2: sound like it at all uh but yeah don't don't read too much into these these early reports because they're not final yet there's a reason that this is not actually out there for you to download from your asus gigabyte msi hasrock support site yet
0: yeah and and uh and i'll say too because you know people I've seen, uh, on our earlier coverage, I'm seeing in some of the chat tonight, I've seen on other, other sites and their articles, uh, again, the AMD crowd, that's very defensive, uh, calling, you know, fake news, this you're, you're, you're drumming this up. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't even acknowledge this. And I mean, I'm not going you know, to, I don't think that's yeah, the case. Even, then, even to,
2: to, no. to point out, cause I, I've responded to a couple comments on the site and now I'm getting, you know, we're getting heckled in the YouTube chat by the same party again. It's a long time listener and I have no problem with, with being challenged and, you know, I have no problem with some good debates. The problem I have is that there's there's really nothing wrong with speculating because we're just talking about it. We don't have any proof yet. That's why I'm not lending a whole lot of credibility to this Tom's article yet because A, I haven't tested it myself and B, they're on a beta BIOS and they weren't even seeing the, the gains to the 3900X that we would have expected. Like if I were to go back to 1002, the original a G-code that enabled Ryzen 3000 support. I mean, the average of 3 runs, not even my fastest run. The average run I was getting before I published the review of 3900X in Cinebench all cores was 7222. 7222. 2, 2. When I updated thinking, "Oh great, now I've got this new G-code because there was there I had all sorts of problems getting my memory to boot. I, the system would not boot with the 3200 DDR4 kit that I had. I had an AMD-specific kit, and then I had the kit that AMD had sent me for this review. The other one was a kit that I think AMD had provided a, as well for an older review that I inherited. But the actual G-Skill Trident kit or whatever it was, the gold Trident Z, I might be forgetting this. But that kit would not boot on this board. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the new Agesa version. It's going to be great. It's got better memory support. I and I got the memory working and then I ran the benchmark again and I wasn't even hitting 7000 on my fastest run. I think the fastest was like 6970. Like how is it that all of a sudden with the same memory speed and then I forced the same timings and I still wasn't even able to crack 7000 when I was getting 7200? And that's when I started realizing, oh, okay, they've scaled back the voltage a little bit. And that kind of sucks. And I was every new Agisa version that's come out, I've installed, I've tested. It hasn't had the same performance of the original pre-launch version. And I've just been waiting for the next version to come out because I knew at some point they're going to have to address this. And we've gone around and around and I've avoided doing comparison testing until I finally released the Ryzen 5 3600X review. Because frankly, they were asking about it. AMD had sent that processor. And they're like, hey, when is the review going to be done? And I'm like, all right, I'll get it out there. But if I test this under the newest AjiSA, it's going to have lower performance than it would have if I'd done this at launch. So I did put a couple of comparison charts up. I put three comparison charts up, I think, of CPU benchmarks. And X264 was the one that showed the biggest disparity. The other ones were pretty nominal. But... It's real. It's a real difference. And it was, as far as I could tell, it was due to voltage, not SMU versions, not actual thermal limits. The CPU is running cool. It's a 3600X. Even with its stock cooler, it it doesn't really have any kind of thermal constraints. But, I mean, if you're looking at the video version, Jim just put up the Cinebench R20 result, single-threaded. 3706 was the average of three runs on a GSO 1003AB. And 37.19 was the result at 1002, the original 1,002 version. And I will say, that's not even an average of three runs. It was so close, I ran it six times and averaged six runs because it was kind of going back and forth. So really, it's a toss-up. And it was kind of a toss-up with the 7-zip benchmark. It was a little bit slower on 1,003 AB. And we are talking, they were they were still neck and neck on the chart, but there was a winner. It was 1002. Every single performance benchmark, 1002 is faster. Whether it's a lot faster or a little faster, is another matter. But, and the thing is, if you, I, I don't think that this is a huge deal. It's just there's there's an obvious and measurable difference that of course Intel is going to pounce on, because. This is, remember, Intel is the same company who has been asking press, or not asking press because they can't tell press what to do, but they've been suggesting that maybe it's not realistic to use Cinebench all cores. I mean, who who's using their laptop using Cinebench? My point in, in response to that is benchmarks are there to benchmark. It's, it's there to put up a number and then compare something else up against that number and see relatively if it's faster or slower or the same speed. So maybe people don't sit at their laptops and run Cinebench. In the coffee shop. Uh, and maybe laptops really are just used for answering email, using Microsoft Office and watching YouTube videos most of the time. But it's really, really boring to test mobile hardware, especially any kind of hardware, real world. It's almost impossible, in fact. Try to do real world testing with a stopwatch, it's an absolute pain in the ass. But running a benchmark, you get an immediate measurable result. And AMD absolutely kills Intel on multi threaded. On benchmarks like Cinebench, because they have more cores and more threads, so even if IPC is a little bit behind Intel, and let's face it, like being a little bit behind Intel for AMD with instructions per clock performance, uh, look at where they were in the Bulldozer era. Look at where they were just a couple of years ago before the launch of Zen. They weren't even in the same ballpark. And then with the original Zen launch, they're within about twenty percent, and now it's like single digits separating them so if you're an amd fan it's a great time to be buying hardware it's a great time to be an amd fan really it's they've got outstanding performance from gpus that cost 400 bucks that basically made the radeon 7 obsolete it was so good when the 26 5700 xt came out you've got absolutely monstrous CPUs available. You can buy a workstation class. Well, in theory, you could buy a workstation class CPU for 500 bucks. You could find one in stock anywhere in the 3900X. So they have great stuff, and I love to see it. The only only problem I've had so far is some reliability issues with X570 at launch, which is completely expected, and I just think they rushed that platform out, and they didn't need to because the processors run just fine on X470 and, and other motherboards in the previous generation. PCI Express 4.0 SSDs, I I know it's cool to see those straight-line speeds. Real world, if we're going to use Intel's term, real world, you don't really see a difference between PCIe 3 and 4. Get a fast NVMe drive, the fastest one you can afford. It'll blow you away if you're on even a SATA SSD. They're really, really fast. But don't worry about X570 right now, unless you absolutely have to have the latest and greatest because they're still working on this stuff. we are It's almost like we've been beta testing this at, since launch. I know they wanted to hit 7.7, 7, 7 nanometer, July 7, all that stuff. And really, I think it was a little early. But hey, it's its in people's hands, except for the 3900X, which you can't find anywhere. Not that I'm bitter about that at all. Although, you know, Nate at Legit Reviews posts pictures at Micro Center, it seems, about every month where there's an entire wall of 3900Xs for sale in their do-it-yourself section but i don't know rant over i just wanted to say it's if there are measurable differences between ajisa code variants of course intel is jumping up and down like yes yes look and they're probably had to do this because of this and that and until somebody actually talks we're not going to know so all of this is of course just speculation but still it is it is what it is i'm done
0: yeah and and i'll say too um Looking again more at, at the the theory of of what we intend or what I intend, uh, and I and as we said before, when we were talking about how we all came to be here. I haven't been doing this for as long as as Ryan or as long as my counterparts who run other sites. Uh but my perspective when I used to read this site and other sites, and what I want to do now is, I'm not telling you, or Sebastian when he does a review, is not telling you what the best is. Like that's not the point of a review in my view. In my from my perspective, no. It's let's provide data and then you as an intelligent thinking human being look at that data and try to uh, define how it applies to you. Only if you intended to buy a CPU and run all the benchmarks we ran and that's the only thing you're going to do it for should you take everything we say as your only decision. You know, are you a video editor? Are you a photo editor? Are you using Lightroom? Are you using uh, Aperture or or using GIMP? Or what are they going to rename GIMP to, Jeremy? Glimpse, something like that?
3: Glimpse, yeah, they're forking it. Yeah. often a glimpse because reasons.
0: Yeah, we we talked about that last week unfortunately. But uh whatever, my point is what are you going to do with it? And try to find benchmarks and we want, we want to provide benchmarks that help you get insight into making that evaluation and then you need to evaluate on your own how well we've done that and other sites and translate that into what you need to do. I mean, as much as we enjoy Ryzen, and because I do a lot of video editing and stuff, I'm, I'm gonna go Ryzen for my next build, as I've talked about, as soon as the 3950X comes out, that's gonna be my platform personally. But there are platforms out there where Intel's part is faster if you're doing certain things, like creating PDFs in Acrobat. If you're an office worker and all you do is take thousands of pages and churn out PDFs for the CEOs, an Intel chip may be your best option. Or if you're a gamer and that particular game is 10 frames per second higher, then you go with the part that's going to give you that. That's that's all. There is no best because everyone's needs are different. Um, so when people get into these, you know, oh, well, you said this and you said that, and uh, it's, we're not, at no point should we ever convey, and I'm not speaking for other sites. I don't know what their intention is, but my intention, at no point are we conveying to you, you should do this. Uh, it's, it's, we're giving you data, and then you make your decision. Um, so...
2: It's, yeah. it's really hard to make a recommendation right now because you have to ask a bunch of questions. You have to interview the person. Because if somebody has $320, $329 to spend on a CPU, they could buy an i7-9700K or they could buy a 3700X. 3700X is really tempting because you've got eight cores and 16 threads. The 9700K is a non threaded part from Intel. It's kind of an odd part. It sits there at eight cores, non-hyperthreaded, It has pretty high clock speeds, but you lose out. If you're doing really multi-thread optimized, you know, applications, if that's what your workflow is, you're going to get better performance out of that 3700X. If you're straight up just gaming, and when we tried to make it more CPU bound for the purpose of the review and use 1080p game testing, the 9700K was faster than the 3700X most of the time, that does not mean that, and it was not even a huge difference. We're talking a few frames per second, but you have to kind of force that difference too. If you actually are gaming, if you're one of the smaller percentage of people who are more of an enthusiast and you have a higher resolution monitor, if you're on a 1440p monitor, like an ultra wide, at some point you become far more GPU bound than CPU bound anyway so that would be the other thing. If, are you on a 1080p monitor? Oh, yeah, a game on my living room TV. OK, well, at 1080p, the Intel part might give you slightly higher frames per second. But if you want to do anything else, the multimedia capabilities, the, the, just the multi-threaded power of the 3700X would be the way to go. It, w- it can go either way. I'm not going to say, like, there are clickbaity articles you'll see if you follow different tech sites where it's like, which is better, this or this, AMD versus Intel and they're trying to drive traffic that's why those articles are written and published and they try to sound as controversial as possible even if you actually read the copy and it's much more objective the title will look really subjective really suggestive and i'm not doing like i99900k versus 3900x $500 price point articles because what would there if you're already on the amd side you're going to be outraged if the intel part comes out ahead in a benchmark and vice versa and really, it's it's what is the most important to you. Because I think the 9900K is going to offer a little bit better single-threaded performance in most applications. But the 3900X has more cores and more threads. And it's going to be significantly faster, as we've seen, in things that are very optimized to use as many threads and cores as you have. So, but that said, between those two, I think the 3900X is pretty obviously the way to go right now unless we see a price drop
0: all right well so uh anyone else have any other news or comments they want to cover this week no well very
2: briefly we didn't have a story up in time but today the latest version of the radeon adrenaline software enables radeon image sharpening on the earlier four and five hundred series graphics cards So RX 400 and 500 series, I think it's 400 series, but certainly if you're on like an RX 580, you can get Rayon image sharpening. Now that was something where we had been briefed on it as a Vega, not Vega, as a, a new Navi only feature. You had to get a 5,700 series card to get it. And really that didn't make a lot of sense because you'd think you'd want the lower end card to be able to internally, resolve the game at a lower resolution and upscale it to fit your monitor and and smooth it out. So yeah, I'm looking at uh, Jim pulled this up. So it's RX 580, RX 570, RX 480 and RX 470. And it works with DirectX 12. I don't know if this works in Vulkan. The one odd outlier is they don't have any DX11 support for Radeon Image Sharpening, which seems like a miss. They said they had just, mm. you know, limited resources and they had to pick what they picked. So they picked DX12, Vulcan, and DX9 initially. But anyway, it's it's just if you're not familiar with Radeon image sharpening, it's a it's a filter that does what it sounds like. It sharpens the image. It makes it look a lot better if you're upscaling. So if you have say a 1440p monitor, but you're running a RX 480, and the the newest games maybe don't play at the frame rates you'd like to see on this at that resolution and it looks kind of bad when you have that interpolated resolution from your monitor scaler to game at like 1080p on a non-1080p monitor looks pretty bad sometimes. Radeon image sharpening can let you kind of have the best of both worlds. You can actually internally have the game set to 1080p if the game supports it. You can have Radeon image sharpening, make it look a lot more like native resolution and so you get a higher frame rate Still good visuals. The and hell is the if, value slider? <laughs>
0: that's a good question. Uh, I, I,
2: it's the internal resolution of the game. Oh, okay. Where it should be. So, if oh, you're, thank you. Okay. So you're on a, and it, it's actually of all things the most rise capacitive- on, rise off. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> 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 I was gonna say that of all things the best implementation of this that i've seen so far is from sapphire with their proprietary their tricks with 2x's yes. software. Yeah. Cuz they have a little slider and you pick uh, from 70 to 100% and you you slide it down to say 85% and then enable radeon image sharpening right in that control panel for your video card, then you launch your game. When the game launches you pick that new custom resolution that was created. Which is going to be some odd number that's a you know ten or twenty percent lower than your native resolution, whatever you had it set to. Yeah, in, in this example, it's uh, I had the resolution scale for the the Sapphire Pulse review. I had it set to ninety, so that's ten percent lower resolution than the native of the panel, fourteen forty p. So that actually created a twenty three oh four by twelve ninety six resolution that the game could be set to. And then I had Radeon image sharpening enabled, which I could do right from that trick software panel. And so it looked fun- it looked great. I was running, I think I ran Metro, Exodus, and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider because there they were two DirectX 12 games I had installed. And it was very difficult to detect any difference at all. If all you're doing is reducing the internal resolution by 10%, and then you're making up for any loss of sharpness with a sharpening filter that does a really good job, then it's very hard to see moving objects change resolution like that. I mean, there's a reason Chroma subsampling exists. And it's because our eyes are not seeing the color depth as well when it's a moving image on the screen as we would if it were staring at a screenshot. So I'm sure you could do A-B screenshots with this. You'd see the difference. But you know what? It looks better than DLSS, honestly. And with the new sharpening filter, NVIDIA has it's kind of the same story. I think it was Digital Foundry or somebody who did a DLSS is dead video because it 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 sharpening looks really good. And when you're internally resolving at a lower lower res, you actually render at that lower res, you upscale it and sharpen it, and it, it looks pretty damn good. So the fact that you can do this with lower end cards is very nice. I'm glad they enabled that
0: and one thing i wanted to point out too back when we were talking about evaluating processors and benchmarks and how you know intel might have you know you look you look at a a a game frame frame rate and the intel chip is leading and it's by a set amount of frames per second uh you know one thing as again because i've not haven't done this as long as i said one thing as i've gotten into this over the past year that has astonished me is the variability in these runs we do to measure frame rates. Some some game, if, if you're doing like a built-in benchmark, obviously that's that's the best case scenario because it's consistent every time. But for games where you don't have that and you're measuring with OCAT or something and and uh, or Fraps or whatever, it's it's incredible the, the difference. That's part of the reason why we do this this average. Let me pull up that spreadsheet again uh, if I can find it.
2: Oh, by all means.
0: And here we go. And uh, and look at some of these games. So like. Um, you know you might see a chart where the 9900k is 6 frames per second faster than either another Intel part or an AMD chip but look at like uh Rainbow 6 Siege here on the Ice Lake chip went the first run had an average of 28.3 run 2 was 36.5 and run 3 was 32.8 that right there could be the entire difference uh yes. of uh of a, of a of a of a of a ranking on a benchmark chart uh, and it's and it's a variable uh from from run to run and and so you know we're giving you these averages and and we hope you understand why this is the case uh, but keep that in mind when you're looking at those charts and you're making those decisions to buy like if 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 you're not a video editor or you're not rendering 3D animation or whatever and you just want to play games and your your Ryzen part is you know 10 frames per second less than the Intel part but still well above 60 you know still playable for sure you know, you might still want to go with the part that has the higher core count because that gives you that, even if you're not doing it now, you might decide to do it in a year and you'll have that capability. Mm-hmm. You'll be better off with an eight core Ryzen than a four core Intel, even with that tiny FPS advantage. Now, in some cases, the difference is, is substantial. And, and you know, for that, kudos to the chip that is leading that at the any given time. But, um, you know, think about, you know, there is a... <laughs> There is difference. I'm looking here at Fortnite, the, the data again with Fortnite. Uh, it went from 41.6 frames per second to 52.9 to 56.8. So again, a 10 frames per second, more than 10 frames per second swing, depending on exactly what was happening in the game at that given time. And and uh, also I've learned during this, I suck at Fortnite because you have to put, there's no like offline. Well, there, there is the, the creative mode, but if you want to truly benchmark the game, you've got to do the battle royale. And so I've been trying, playing for the first time in my life, these games, Fortnite, Overwatch, And I, I, sometimes I don't, we do 60 second runs to capture the data and each, each run is 60 seconds of capture. And I don't sometimes survive that long. So it takes me a while to, uh, to get the enough data sets where the benchmark is able to run the whole time while I'm running and trying to hide from, from the competitors. But, uh.
2: And another another thing is like what Jim is alluding to the way you benchmark, because in Fortnite, there's no, you have no choice. You have to run around like Battlefield, Fortnite, some of these games that don't have an offline benchmark. They don't have a built-in benchmark. have no choice but to play the game and when they're online games like that there can be a lot of differences uh, from run to run huge differences and there are outlets that if you remember hard ocp uh brent justice did the gpu reviews for a long time and hard ocp stance was real world like before before intel was using real world they were using real damn world gaming benchmarks they didn't use any canned leadership they were showing leadership that's right in the space and uh we missed them, but you know, check out the fps review for brent justice yep. and and current uh, reviews again, the whole crew pretty much is over there now. but uh they they do absolutely only real game testing. They do extended runs, multiple runs, average out the results it is It's a lot of work, it's a huge time commitment, and you still face that problem of variability where you know what maybe this particular day in time on this particular game i was getting 56.8 average after three runs what if i went back in next week maybe i'm going getting you know 52 or maybe i'm getting 47 or maybe i'm getting 65 it it seems to be it's a little too variable for me i started out when i knew i was taking this job back in december I was trying to figure out what kind of test methodology I would have. I was kind of terrified because I've never been able to really figure out how to do real world game testing in a way that is precise and repeatable. And I tried different things and I tried, I was even looking into how to program runs and I, it was just, it, it finally got to the point where I'm like, I'm going to go insane. I'm going to sit up all night benchmarking. Like I had been for like three nights in a row if I don't come up with something that's actually repeatable. And unfortunately that meant let me look at all the lists. Let me look at the list of the games currently available that I've built in built built-in benchmark, a canned benchmark. And there are outlets like Anontech that only used canned benchmarks for this reason. Like, well, okay, Anontek does this. I'd rather do it the hard OCP way. I'm gonna lose my mind and never sleep again unless I do it the Enontech way. So that's where we currently stand. Every benchmark, like Far Cry 5 and Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Metro Exodus, all these games have a built-in benchmark, and it makes it very easy to do a repeatable, fairly consistent. There is there is inconsistencies. You'll almost always see a couple of frames per second variance between each run. That's why we do three and average them out. And I have found outliers. They're, the most The biggest outlier right now is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which it doesn't matter how many times you run that thing. You're never going to get exactly the same benchmark because the little NPCs walking around vary quite a bit. And however many there are that are being rendered affects the total frame rate. So you might get a 10 FPS difference between two consecutive runs of that. So I actually dropped that out of the test suite. And, you know, we just keep going, try to make it as consistent, as accurate as possible. But it is not easy to do that. And I have no doubt yeah, the, that we're like one driver
3: war is going to do the same thing. Cause apparently it's a completely different benchmark every time you do it because of the AI. Mm-hmm. See,
2: that was yeah, that's the assassin's creed problem. So, you know, it's, it's, and the thing I was, I was about to say is we're always one driver update away from having all of our test results invalidated anyway. Mm-hmm. And, Uh, I actually went through and completely wiped everything from the first six months of this year and started over again in like June, leading up to the July seven launch of the, uh, I think it was leading up to that. I don't even remember anymore. I think the first review that I published with the new test suite and the new results was the, the super review, the 2016 and 2070 super, which actually came out on July 2nd. And, you know, I, I had completely invalidated all of my results from January through June at that point, because we were, there had been too many driver updates since then. There had been uh, changes and optimizations that AMD had done that significantly improved Radeon 7 performance, for example, though that's lo- less relevant now because that has been EOL'd. But, you know, it, if, in an ideal world we would have a staff of people working 24 hours a day to just rebenchmark everything all the time and with this new 19.9.2 driver update from AMD i should rebenchmark every AMD card again but there's only so much time in the day and, it, and uh, it's I, as accurate did, as it can be
0: i i didn't see it yet um but i i guess youtube is telling us uh the youtube chat says there's a, there was an nvidia driver update today too so uh yeah yeah, yeah. uh so
2: really, every previous NVIDIA uh, from every outlet would, I guess, technically be questionable now because hey, would Why don't it, it, you it, it go back so and benchmark
3: all of those cards
2: again? Going back five years with a brand new driver. Yeah, I saw a thread. Uh, Ian in Anantek was talking about this, actually. I don't know if it was at E3 or if it was in a Twitter thread, but it was like, you know, they have this thing called GPU Bench on mm-hmm. Anantek. This has been going on for many years back when Anon was still running the site and to do that they have to rebenchmark like 100 150 things yep. and it's incredibly time consuming to do that so it's a great service but then you have to understand it's it's like a a moment in time that system with that version of windows that was the other big thing the the real reason i had to re uh, yeah. the whole test platform is i was using 1803 i was way behind in windows 10 versions Because this is stuff going back to 2018. And like, you know, well, 1903 is kind of the modern mainstream gaming platform now. And it was, you had to be on at least 1809 to even enable RTX features. So, you know, at some point we'll have to be on yet another version of Windows and everything will get trashed again. But I'm trying not to think about that. All
0: right. Well, let's, uh, let's let these fine people get on with their lives and wrap this thing up a, a right. bit of a different show uh today you know more discussion less topics uh but hopefully hopefully uh you guys found something useful uh that we talked about hopefully you understand how things work a little better here and why we do what we do and uh i didn't know about jeremy's desire to publish our results online uh so our our, our uh pre or what do we call it data sets or whatever
2: uh yeah I'm numbers
0: so we'll we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get that going. Um, no reason not to. As long as I can just easily upload it, and uh, and also I think Brett mentioned in our chat too, like uh, I could just, you know, link a uh, Excel file. If, it, like if I can't translate it to Google Docs, I'll just link an Excel file in the review, and you can just download it that way. But uh, all right, picks of the week, uh, Jeremy. What have you got for us?
3: Well, hopefully dinner soon. It's it's been a day. Uh, no, this is the thing that Excel was designed for. It never knew it, but it does now. Uh, this bloody lunatic Sully has essentially recreated the first civilizations in Excel and it works and it's just ridiculously (laughs) freaking brilliant. Oh
0: my God. Wow.
3: Those are cells. Uh, it's multiplayer. There is no AI. Uh, he's going to start maybe a Patreon or a Kickstarter to help develop an AI. But in the meantime, it's just multiplayer. And it literally, if you push play on the little thing, it I, this is just so supremely absurd and lovely that I can't help but fall in love with it. I'll fast
2: forward a bit and he he starts. Yeah, yeah. I love the CPU good... utilization screen. That's awesome. Yeah. Multi-threaded.
3: C- P- th- yeah, multi-threaded Excel, which is not always a thing. Yeah, it's just the most absurd and wonderful thing I have seen. And I don't know how long. It's free. You you just go download it. Uh, I mean, you're going to need Excel to run it, but apart from that. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm sure Microsoft will give he's you... He's run into an enemy. He's going to die.
0: Wow, that's... Um, yeah, that's incredible. Uh, good find. It uh, is so
2: truly that, amusing.
0: Uh, Thanks, uh, we'll a, I, wonder,
2: I wonder if you could put this in Google Docs and do a shared doc. Or I, I'm sure you could just share the file, but still it would be like... Well, I mean, it is multiplayer. It's currently Hot Seat. but okay. he's,
3: he's working on figuring out how to do it multiplayer. Wow.
0: So that's, uh, that's Sully's S zero in place of the O yep. L Sel- L Y.
3: Cell. Cellivilization.
0: Yes. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a link in the uh, show notes uh, as well as in the uh, YouTube description if you're watching the show that way. Uh, now, Josh, he left us uh, at the Midway point and he put a link to a YouTube video. Well,
3: no, he didn't. That he did. Me.
0: Okay. Oh, was that you? Okay i I just
3: imagine trunk monkey for servers
0: i don't know what this is what's a trunk monkey
3: oh good god you don't know what trunk monkey is
0: Mm, i don't think so okay well uh i don't either do we we're probably gonna need audio for this right to understand this
3: well no not really you just you know sort of understand that He's screaming and yelling at him,
2: and he's gonna
0: get the trunk monkey out. Oh, there's a. I see. Okay.
2: So there's a uh, some road rage going on, and, and then the trunk the monkey comes is out. <laughs> and bashes him with a tire iron. That's nice.
0: Oh, uh, all right. Uh, but what? In what context? You mean because he had to go to work, he can just have someone? Well, come yeah. Up, you hit,
3: just push the button, hit. and the, the the server monkey comes out. Hits the button, and
2: high five, and everyone goes to bed.
0: I see. Nice. All right. Um okay then. There is no
2: <laughs> server problem if there is no server. So And if you complain, well You'll, you'll have, have the monkey same page to talk. As the server. That's right. Yep.
0: Uh and then uh my pick is uh something that's free for a very limited time. So if you're watching live, you can get in, in on this. And if I can figure out premiere in time and get this uploaded, uh you can get in on it. But it's valid uh for the next uh, 36 hours, uh, and that is over at Humble Bundle. They're giving away Endless Space, uh, the Endless Space collection, which is the first game plus the DLC, I believe, right, uh, for that game. And this, this yeah, is yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, this is a 4x uh, strategy game. Let's see if they have any screenshots here. Uh, here, here we go. That's uh, normally 20 bucks, uh, and so it's it's a, a, a uh, very, I played it, it came out a few years ago. I played it when it, it came out. It's it's very beautiful. Uh, at least it was at the time. I haven't evaluated it in a while, but it's a, it was a good-looking game. It was fun to play. A very you know, sci-fi-based 4 x space game. And you can get it for free. I think the only thing you have to do is you have to sign up for the Humble Bundle newsletter. And usually the way those things go is you sign up, you get the download link, and then you can unsubscribe if you want. So, uh, so check that out over at Humble Bundle. Uh, but again, act quick. It's on only for the next uh, about 36 hours. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to get this uh, get this up for the on-demand folks to hopefully snag that. Uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, again for a little bit of a different show. And if you're, again, if you're watching this on-demand, as I said at the beginning, I normally, I edit videos in Final Cut Pro, but my Mac died on me. So I'll be doing this one in Premiere and I don't have all of my templates and, uh, motion assets and all that. Those are all, uh, Apple specific. So I'm going to try to do what I can with this, but no promises. It may not have the sidebar error, uh, anything fancy but three um, we'll
2: words fixed windows movie maker done
0: uh fair enough but again i still have to get the assets yeah. somehow translated over you and- don't need
2: assets just make new ones and windows movie maker just you know black screen white text and uh, Bastion,
3: some- that, that means he replaces us <laughs> that's, that's fine
0: um <laughs> all right well uh thanks everyone for joining us uh we normally do these on wednesdays at 10 p.m eastern that's 2 a.m utc i believe uh and you can find us at pc slash live where we'll have the embedded uh video and youtube chat or or you can join our mailing list to let uh to be notified when we go live at pcper.com slash subscribe uh, thanks for, for joining us this week everyone have a great week we'll see you next time